the Guardians would finally start adding prospects and other players to their roster after I've already put out my prospect list. Plenty to get into today on this week's episode of the Guardians of the Future podcast with things finally happening. We've got minor league coaching assignments. We've got a trade of a former first-round pick for a prospect. We've got non-roster invites. We've got World Baseball Classic news. And we've got some other waiver pickups to talk about all this week on the Guardians of the Future podcast. What is up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Guardians of the Future podcast. I am your host, Justin Latta, uh, over at Next Year in Cleveland, Prospects Live, Locked on Guardians, um, freelancer for the News Herald occasionally. We'll see if that happens again this year. Uh, looking forward to another season of prospect coverage as we get closer to the regular season, or I should say spring training finally happening. Um, it feels like forever. We didn't have much to talk about. I know we were very infrequent with the podcast, but, uh, you know, we've been running now. We've had a couple in a row. We had, uh, kind of the reintroduction of how things are going to work around here. And then we came back last week with the interview with guardians, 2022 draft pick, Nate Furman. We didn't have a chance to check that out. I highly recommend it. I had a great time chopping it up with Nate, just talking about his background and his draft experience and, you know, what he's looking to do this season. Uh, really good doing, you know, rooting for his Eagles in the Super Bowl, even though, uh, well, I don't know, there's there's two Cleveland guys. There's, you know, Jason and Travis Kelsey. So whoever wins Cleveland gets a Super Bowl ring or a Cleveland guy, I guess, anyway. So I don't really have a, a dog in the fight, I suppose. But uh, for his sake and um, just a fun game, I like the Eagles. I, I used to like the Eagles a lot more, but um, I digress. We don't need to talk about the Super Bowl. You can hear that other places. This is the place to talk about. The Cleveland minor league system, just me flying soul this week. Uh, like I said before, we'll have uh, a whole lot of formats with this. Some weeks I will fly solo. Uh, some weeks I'll have a guest like I had Nate last week. Uh, I hope to have more guests as well. Uh, some weeks we'll have some other writers from next year in Cleveland. Hopefully we'll have some other interviews to play and um, we'll have people in and out and we'll see how things go. So let's start off with the first set of news. That would be the Justin Boyd, I'm sorry, that would be the Justin Boyd and Will Benson deal uh, that happened just yesterday. That's the biggest news. So Cleveland traded 2016 first round pick Will Benson to the Cincinnati Reds um, for Justin Boyd, who was the Cincinnati Reds uh, competitive balance B pick in 2023 out of Oregon State. That is now two draft picks by the Cleveland franchise. Uh, I'm going to go back and look at the 2016 draft. As I'm tight, as I'm bringing this news to you, I, I've already heard the news, but um, uh, Nolan Jones obviously traded earlier in this offseason to the Colorado Rockies for Juan Brito. 
he obviously had uh, this trade now. So the Guardians have traded, and uh, as Jeff Ellis pointed out, my co-host at Lockdown Guardians pointed out the other day, is that uh, they also traded Connor Capel, who was their fifth rounder. So it has been a very interesting draft for Cleveland. Obviously, it's been a good draft for Cleveland. They got a lot of guys in this draft. They got Shane Bieber, Zach Plesak, Aaron Savali, as we know, Connor Capel, who they traded. A lot of that trade got, got them um, Oscar Mercado, who you know was good for a year, and, and that was about it. Tanner Tolley, who was a very serviceable minor league arm who made his major league debut. Other than that, there hasn't been much. So, well, I shouldn't say that. Samad Taylor got them Joe Smith, and and <clears throat> they needed that. So the draft, the draft did, you know, warrant some other, did bear some other fruit. Uh, Ryder Ryan was in that draft. He got Jay Bruce, so that was important. Although that was more about how much the team was willing to pay for Jay Bruce versus how, who they were willing to give up, but uh, still counts. Uh, so it's interesting that the first three picks in that draft got the Guardians made. Benson, Jones, gone. Logan Ice, retired. Aaron Savali and Beaver still here. Plesak is still here. The rest of it, you know, hasn't been... Hasn't been great. So uh, Juan Brito and Justin Boyd kind of become part of the calculus of that draft. Uh, and for Will Benson, really, you know, came a long way last year, was able to cut down on his swing and miss to an, a level that um, got him to the major leagues. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, he, you know, he was a level, uh, a guy who struggled at the level for the first time of where he went. You know, he got to, to low A, he was actually really good. Got to high, um, I got to Mahoney Valley. He was great. He was not so good his first trip around low A. Was better the second time around. Struggled in high A. Had the pandemic last year. Came back. Actually had a pretty good season in 2021 uh, for by his standards, at least a low batting average. Struggled in his first hits Triple A, and then came back last year and had the best season of his career by far. So I don't know how much stock we can put into what he did in Triple A last year. Obviously going from a a strikeout rate in the high 20s and, and low 30s to the low 20s is a major difference. So he struck out 31% of the time in the major leagues last year in 61 plate appearances. I think that if he can strike out 31% of the time, if he keeps it right around that level, now granted, that's high. That's that's a very high level. Um, take a quick look at the leaders from last season and figure out who struck out that much. I mean, that, that's essentially a Joey Gallo level of strikeout range, you know, Patrick Wisdom, Luke Voigt, Eugenio Suarez, Kyle Schwarber uh, was at 29.9. So all guys that were um, around a 30% strikeout range, all those guys had weighted runs created plus over 100 last year. Eugenio Suarez struck out 31% of the time, still a 131 WRC plus. Kyle Schwarber, as we know, 29% strikeout rate, almost 30, 29.9, 128 weighted runs created plus. Even, even Luke Voigt, 31%. Uh, 102 weighted runs created plus Patrick wisdom, 34.3% 104 weighted runs created plus. And what Will Benson has that Patrick wisdom, Luke Voigt, um, Eugenio Suarez and, and Kyle Schwarber certainly do not have is defensive value and speed. Uh, Schwarber just stole 10 bases. Obviously I think Benson's got, uh, has the ability to steal 20 bases. Um, obviously he's got way better defensive value than any of them. So, when you combine the fact if he could keep that strikeout right around the 30% range, and who knows if he can, you know, it was a short sample. I'm not saying he can, but if he's able to keep it within that range, you know, I, I it's pretty hard to succeed at, at like a 35% range. It really, it really is. Um, 
and and Joey Gallo made it work for a long time because he hit the living crap out of the ball whenever he made contact, which Benson does too. Uh, walked a ton, and that's that's kind of what everybody hoped Benson was going to be was Joey Gallo. Um, Joey Gallo certainly has had better years. I don't know where he's at at this point in his career, but um. You know, I wish the best for Will Benson. I don't know if he's ever going to look. Joey Gallo one year did hit 40, uh, two years, did hit 40 home runs with a 35% strikeout rate. Um, I don't know if I think Will Benson can get there. I don't know. I'd like to believe he can just because I'm rooting for him as a person and um, his, you know, his, his story. And I don't know. The Cincinnati is definitely the way to go for him to do that. Because, look, were, were you going to play Will Benson over Oscar Gonzalez and Stephen Kwan? No. Miles Straw, I guess you could argue Miles Straw, but, you know, obviously, look, the whole the whole crux of this deal is two things. Cleveland obviously continues to prefer higher contact players and guys that don't strike out as much, and they also really were desperate to clear a 40-man roster spot, which they ended up filling, which we'll get into, which is a surprise, of course. Why wouldn't they? I was I said yesterday that the, that, that open roster spot was going to be for for Cam Gallagher or Mayrays Valora or, or Zach Collins, who they also signed today. Um, I thought that roster spot was going to go to one of them. So they filled it today. They're back at 40, although the guy they, they claim could probably be DFA to open that spot again and serve as a little bit of a, a buffer. Maybe they'll do this again. And I, I kept saying I thought Richie Palacios was going to be the guy they moved. But, you know, Palacios probably didn't have a ton of value. And – they got something back in return they liked in in Justin Boyd. And uh, I'll admit Justin Boyd, outside of just knowing his name and knowing that he played for Oregon State last year and um, where he was drafted, that that's about all I knew. I didn't really know a lot. I didn't see a whole lot of game tape on him. I just knew he existed. So I did finally go look at some film yesterday and today, and I like what I saw. I think I think there's a good player in there. Uh, it is a reach for a better floor, obviously, than Benson. Um, I, I really do think Benson, probably because of his swing and miss, winds up being a fourth or fifth outfielder who you can get a lot of value, get some value out of if you platoon him with a right-handed uh, hitting outfielder. He can give you defense. He can be a good late-game pitch runner and defensive replacement. He's going to take some walks. Um, he's also a little bit passive, but... Uh, Justin Boyd led the Pac-12 last year in batting average, had a fantastic season. Uh, Cleveland has had success with Oregon State hitters, outfielders before, so uh, not that Boyd and Quan are all that similar, but uh, Boyd strikes out a little more, walks a lot more. There's more patience there uh, than Quan. Quan is a little more, a little more aggressive, but uh, I, I like Boyd's swing. It's very short, very compact. He's got plus run times. We're talking about a guy who's – Justin Boyd might be as fast as Will Benson, if not faster. They're pretty close. Boyd has posted some really plus run time. So we're talking like anywhere from 4.12 to 4.2 uh, down the line to first base. He could run in the outfield. I think he should be able to play all three spots. I don't know how his arm is. I haven't had a chance to see it. I think it, it should be at least average. I'll have to – there's really no, there's really no good pro game tape on him. It's all college. Unfortunately, the Daytona Tortugas and, and – the Florida State League, where he played last year for you know a handful of games, didn't have uh, a whole lot of uh, MILB TV users uh, that stunk. Even though the Florida State League occasionally has some data, some stat cast, 
I was hoping I'd get some video on him or some video from my album TV, but no, no such luck. The one other thing I like about Boyd too is there's just a little bit of loft to his swing. It's not like, you know, he doesn't have a, a, a guy who's looking for a very uh, high launch angle. It's, it's, it's kind of a line drive approach, but he does have just this little bit of lift to his swing that helps him put the ball in the air. I think that's going to do well for him. Obviously, he probably doesn't have the same raw power as Will Benson. Nobody, you know, very few guys do. But I like I like Boyd's ability to get the ball in the air a little bit, and I like his patience. I like the speed. Should be able to play some defense. That's a pretty solid bet to be an outfielder. And truthfully, you know, I ranked my I have my outfield ranks up. I did. Um, those who read my my out my personal prospect rankings over next year in Cleveland. Earlier in January, uh, the aggregate rankings with me and Willie Hood and our new contributor, Maton, um, had it a little bit different. But my personal rankings, I had Will Brennan over George Valera. I know it's a little controversial. That's just a me being a little bit safer, I suppose. But still, you know, Valera and Brennan are the top two outfielders in the system. Then you've got George Valera. I'm sorry, you got Chase DeLauder, who, you know, you could maybe even put him above Will Brennan if you want. Um, you got your top three there. And then from there you go with uh, Petey Halpin and Jason Chorio. One of those two, the next grouping, I'd probably say Petey Halpin right now, just because he's got a little, you know, some experience and we know what the defense looks like. We know he can be a center fielder. At least I think he can. Uh, we don't know what the bat's going to look like. And Jason Chorio, a lot of what his ranking is, is um, complex league numbers and his brother's height. That's, that's really what it is. So, I would probably put Justin Boyd on my outfielder list. Let's see. My, my top three is Brennan, Valera, DeLauder. Um, you know, I might be tempted to go with Boyd above Halpin. I'll stick with Halpin above him now, but I'll stick Boyd over Jason Chorio for the moment, even though Chorio obviously has a ton of upside. Um, I, it, it's unfair to sit here and say that I know much about him because I haven't seen him outside of a few small Instagram videos. Um I, I haven't seen much more of Boyd either, but I've seen more of Boyd than I've seen of Chorio. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, I, and I could even argue, like I said, putting above Halpin. So immediately Boyd is like your fourth, fifth best outfield prospect and suddenly a system that has outfield prospects. How about that? We never had outfield prospects in the system before. Like it's been, I'm trying to think of the lot, like there's been some, but there's been nobody really worth getting excited about. So, uh, or nobody panned out. So this is good. Uh, but I think I think Boyd definitely is fourth or fifth in the pecking order and outfield rankings in a suddenly deep position group. It's a good trade. I think it's going to do well for them. And like I said, I wish Benson well, even if it doesn't pan out for, for the Guardians. Benson, like I said, wasn't going to play here much. Um, I think they're more apt to go with with uh, Will Brennan and Miles Straw in center with Oscar Gonzalez and right. And that also, you know, leaves room for George Valera to come up too and Truly, it was it was a testament to Will Benson's work, and it was a surprise that he even made the forty man roster and made his major league debut last year. I didn't think he'd ever get there, so you know now he's got to prove himself in Cincinnati, and he should have at bats to do so because they are a bad team, and it's a ballpark where he should thrive. Honestly, there's not a lot of ground to cover. He can rob home runs. He can hit the ball over the wall there because it's it's a bandbox. It's a good situation for him and for the Guardians. It, it eliminates a 40-man spot, which they did, like I said, fill. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean 
they're stuck the way they were before. So, and I wouldn't be shocked to make one more trade like this. So we'll see. But uh, I like Boyd. Like I said, that, and I have PD Halp, but I think what I had him at was the. I'll look right now on my sheet whenever it loads. Um, I had PD Halp in my personal rankings at nineteen, so I think I would definitely have Boyd at like the eighteen to twenty range. So he's in the top twenty. Um, I had to move some guys down, move some guys around. So it, it's a you know, it's a good gamble. We'll see. I think Boyd probably starts the year in Lake County. Yeah, we'll get into uh, rosters and where people fit later in podcasts and writing. Speaking of writing, we'll have uh, I have a lot of writing to to put up on the site, a written version of the trade and what I like about Boyd. We have prospect rankings, scouting. I'm sorry, prospect scouting reports coming on all of our rankings from this year. So that, stay tuned to that. Go to nextyearincleveland.substack.com. Subscribe. Uh, it's free. Uh, you don't have to pay anything to read anything. In the future, I, I will say in the future. Uh, what I might do is I might, uh, we do have actually a very generous amount of people who have contributed money to the, to the, to the newsletter, which I really appreciate. It was not asked of anybody, not, not, you don't have to do it to read any of the content there, but what I might do because we've gotten such a great response is some of the content I write, especially during the season covering games and other stuff. I might release that to paid subscribers first and then delay it to everybody else later so paid subscribers we'll see it first um just as a little bonus for them and and maybe i'll include some other things like videos and um some quicker podcasts we'll see i'm gonna find things to reward people who are um contributing to the newsletter monetarily like i said you don't have to pretty much all the content's going to be free but i might try to throw in some extra content some freebies just for the subscribers or just for the paid subscribers because they went above and beyond what was asked of them when I made this change from Guardians Baseball Insider to the next year in Cleveland newsletter. Again, I'll put the link in the podcast bio to subscribe. And like I said, don't feel obligated to pay anything. Most of it's going to be free. I'm just putting, I think, freebies and or maybe some early access to, to paid subscribers. Let's move on from this. Uh, I'll have a lot to say about Justin Boyd in the coming days. Uh, Guardians minor league coaching assignments. If you're listening to this podcast, you like the Guardians minor league system. Let's be honest. And um, it doesn't get nerdier than me. So we're going to nerd out and we're going to talk about the Guardians minor league coaching assignments. because I think it's fascinating, truthfully. Um, I, I think it's very interesting every year how they do this because it, it gives you a good idea of who they like, uh, who they like working with certain players, maybe guys who are on the rise. It's not like a, a promotion like you would normally see with players, but it's at least it tells you guys that like guys who are moving up and um, – just guys keep an eye on it because let's be honest, Terry Francona is coming to the end of his career. If it's not this year, it's possibly in the next year or two. I, I, I mean, I think they say someone said, I don't know if it's true. Someone said maybe it's like a five-year deal, but obviously he gets to choose if he wants to come back the next year. So the idea is as long as he feels good about it, he can come back and that makes a ton of sense, but you know, that's going to end at some point. So we've continued to look for who is going to be the next uh, manager of this franchise and, and hard to tell. It could go a lot of ways. We don't really know, but um, they have continued to do a great job of replenishing their coaching staffs and their, and their staffs across the uh, organization. When they get picked off by the organizations, they lost three coaches this year. Uh, they lost their trainer to Detroit, our assistant trainer. How about that? So every year people are getting lost. James Harris, the guardians assistant GM, who was their former player, director of player development, he interviewed for the Astros job, didn't get it. That's a second GM interview in, in two years. 
He missed out on the Cubs job to Carter Hawkins, who also was obviously a Guardians front office member. Uh, at some point, James Harris will be getting that job somewhere else. And why I wasn't surprised Kyle Hudson got another job or Brian Sweeney. Um, that's going to happen. So Triple uh, A, Andy Tracy returned as manager. Uh, not really surprised by that. The, two, the guys you'll look at, though, that are going to flank him this year are Junior Batances. He moves up to AAA. Junior Batances has been in this organization for quite some time. I want to say 20 years, possibly as a player and a, and a coach. He threw he threw the home run derby last year to Jose Ramirez. Um, a lot of credit for guys like Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brennan, Will Benson, and other guys in that system who took off offensively. He gets a lot of credit for that, especially Oscar Gonzalez, who uh, continues to look bad. And now I'll continue to wait for their shoe to drop and You'll be like, why do I listen to this podcast? Because you keep getting this wrong about Oscar Gonzalez. And why would I bother listening to someone who doesn't know what they're talking about? I don't know. I have like a blind spot with Oscar Gonzalez, as much as I am rooting for him to succeed because he's a great story, truthfully. Um, and even more than I knew about him when he was in the minors. But uh, I just, I guess that that profile doesn't give me a lot of confidence. But some guys make it work. You have to be a rare, a rare bird. He might be. But anyway, Batances gets a lot of credit for him. Owen Dew is the pitching coach in Akron. Now, I think that's a, or I'm sorry, in AAA, yeah. So this is new, Columbus trip to pitching coach Owen Dew. He was in Akron last year, uh, rising star as a pitching coach. Um, haven't really heard a ton about him, but he continues to get promoted. And I think the Guardians want to keep him around. The really notable coaching change for me was Greg Desenzo. So Greg Desenzo was hired away from a long coaching career at Holy Cross uh, in college. He was slated to be the captain's manager in 2020. Obviously, the pandemic ruined that. They brought him back for 2021 and 2022 did a great job. Players really respected him. He worked them hard and guys improved from the first half to second half with him each year. Guys got better. I think uh, the guys bought into what he was doing. They really believed in his um, philosophy and understood why he made them work so hard before games. They respected him. He's great with the media, just a pretty, you know, good dude. Uh, and he's got a relationship with Rob Serfolio, who is the guardians player to, uh, player development director. So Desenzo recruited um, Serfolio when he was in college from the Holy Cross. I don't know if if, if, Desen- if uh, Serfolio ended up going there, but anyway, he did recruit him. So they have a history together. They 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 like each other. I know I know they both think highly of each other. So that's something to keep an eye on. To me, I think I've said that before. As uh, Serfolio moves up the ranks in the front office system. Uh, Desenzo is going along with them, so it wouldn't be a surprise. Another name to keep an eye on is Cody Buckle. Cody Buckle had a you know an interesting minor league pitching career. A lot of people liked him. Uh, fascinating data dude. He is the pitching strategist now for AAA, so that's essentially a second pitching coach. Really, they created that role for him. Uh, he's been all around the system a little bit as a kind of a pitching coordinator. Different you know terms there. They I don't know the terms are are like whose line is it anyway. They're they're made up. The term, the, the roles are made up. You know, they assign them to do whatever tasks they're going to do, and they make up the role, and they let them have, free, you know, free reign, or they have a, them in mind for what they want to take care of. But anyway, Cody Buckle continues to get um, good chances to work with some of the best pitchers in the system. So uh, keep an eye on that name. Double A, Ruga Sardor is back in Akron. No, no surprise there. But joining him this year I thought were interesting. So the pitching coach would be Brad Goldberg. Brad Goldberg. Um, is a Beachwood high school graduate. He, I think he went to coastal Carolina and I'm not mistaken. I might maybe get that wrong. I did talk to him last year for an article at the news Herald. Um, 
I'd have to go back and check. Anyway, he didn't he didn't start his career at Ohio State, but he ended it there. Got drafted by the White Sox. Um, had a had a short pitching career, um, but he was new to the organization last year. Got a job as like kind of a pitching assistant. Was just kind of all over. Spent a lot of time in Arizona. Spent some time in Lake County helping out Caleb Longshore, who I'll get to in a second. Uh, he goes right into Double A Akron his second year. So that is amazing that he has jumped that quickly. He's a self taught guy. Told me during that interview that he was kind of a self-learner during the pandemic with data, learning all this stuff, certifications for pitching, data, that kind of stuff. He was a self-learner, taught it all himself um, for the most part. A lot of other people teach him, I should say. It was it was his initiative to go out and learn this stuff sitting at home during the pandemic. So kudos to him to working that hard and, and a really cool dude to interview. Uh, Daniel Robertson, you might remember from, I want to say it's a 2019 team. Let me, let me go look. Uh, anyway, shorter dude. I think he was like four or like four. Four foot. I don't know, has there ever been a four foot player in the, in the majors? Um, uh, five, nine. I don't know. He wasn't. He wasn't necessarily the world's biggest guy. Um, plenty of tattoos. I think. Um, oh, that's the infielder, David Daniel Robertson. See, this is what happens. I think this is the other guy who is still around. That's why I thought the guard that the uh, guardian signed when they signed him was was that Daniel Robertson, but it was, turns out it was the outfielder. Um, he's five foot eight. Anyway, that's, that's totally relevant. He was here in 2017, actually. Wow. Okay. I got that wrong. 2017. Uh, Well-liked in the organization in Columbus, especially. And he is the bench coach up in Akron. So he is brand new to the organization in terms of coaching. He immediately goes to Akron as the bench coach. That's quite a, a rise. Uh, hi, Omer Santos, former big league catcher. He was the Lynchburg Hillcats manager last year in Loway. He was at the high end at Lake County to replace Desenzo. Um, I don't really have a whole lot in the rest of the coaches in there. Jordan Becker is the hitting coach in Lake County. He is brand new to the organization, so that's something to note. Kevin Armenio is the pitching coach. He was the pitching coach in Lynchburg last year. Kyle Lindquist, who I like quite a bit. His ideas and philosophies are, are interesting. Um, I just know that the players tend to like him, too. He is the bench coach. And then in, in low A, you have Jordan Smith, former Guardians draft pick, um, who I was high on at one time. Uh, he was, he's been around. He's been the bench coach for Lake County. He's stepped in as manager for a few days, uh, or when I think Greg Desenzo got ejected a couple times. Um, he has got his own managing gig in Lynchburg now. So he takes over down there. Jan Rivera, who uh, this is extremely nerdy, but Jan Rivera is the son of Juan Rivera, who was the uh, first Lake County captain's manager in 20, 2003. Who is the also is the one of the coaches in the Toronto staff? So that's pretty nerdy. Uh, Tony Arnold is the pitching coach in Lynchburg. He has been around the organization forever. He has been Double A, Triple A, Low A. He just goes wherever they tell him to go, and they obviously trust him. Ordemar Valdez is the hitting coach in Low A. Once upon a time, he was a second baseman in the system in Arizona. TJ Rivera, former Mets player, he was hired just last year as a manager in Arizona. Now. Um, that's a pretty quick one to, to note. Anderson Polanco is the pitching coach in Arizona. He was one time a pitching prospect in the system, who I liked a little bit as well. Erlen Sertis, the hitting coach, he was one time a, a player in the system. And I'll note on the Arizona uh, development staff is the Guardians' first ever on-field female coach. That is Amanda Kamakona uh, from UCLA. So she's going to come aboard as, the, as, as part of the hitting development staff. Interesting to note and, and, you know, good for the guardians, good for her to, to break those 
glass ceilings and those barriers. And I know some people will sit there and say, oh, it's a, a hire just to, to hire a woman or something like that. It's, I don't think that's what it is. This, this organization is too smart and they're not going to waste their time making those sorts of hires. If the person can't fulfill their duty, fulfill their duty and their job, they clearly think she is good at being a uh, hitting development coach. That's what she is. And, and they wouldn't have hired her. Otherwise, this is not, you know, these, these teams are looking to develop players and win. That's the goal here. Nobody's hiring someone just because they're filling a quota. Trust me. There might be rules to do certain interviews and in certain sports, but, uh, there's no rules with this one, and I don't think they're wasting their time with this. So you can, uh, here if you're thinking that, you can drop that thought very quickly and and move on. And if you don't like what I like me saying on that, then sayonara. I don't know. Uh, coordinators in Arizona, I also are court. I'm sorry, staff coordinators throughout the system that I find interesting. Caleb Longshore, like I said, was the Guardians, the Lake County Captains pitching coach last year. He has moved up to the pitching coordinator for the entire system. Um, that's essentially because, um, trying to think now who got the job in the bullpen. Uh, I should probably pull this up. It was the bullpen coach last year, or the new bullpen coach. Um, this season in Cleveland, he was the pitching coordinator last year. So, um, that's why they needed to move someone in that Regal Beltran. I'm sorry, Regal Beltran, who's been a pitching coach up and down the system, for several years now he is the new bullpen coach he was the pitching co coordinator i believe um so that's why they needed that caleb longstrom moves to that role luke carlin continues to be the catching coordinator for the entire system not surprised there that's another guy i would keep an eye on as a future manager candidate and then grant fink uh, who is a former captain's player as well very very well liked teammate and very well liked in the organization he is the hitting coordinator for the entire organization now um, they, they seem to really like him too. Um, all right, we're going to move on to non-roster invitees in just a quick second. I want to give you a quick break from hearing my voice nonstop in this entire podcast to give myself a break from talking to keep this thing going. So we've plowed through a lot today, a lot of information. I'm excited that we have a lot of information because for, <clears throat> for quite some time, we didn't have any darn information. But finally, we've got some stuff to talk about. So the Guardians uh, announced last week who they were inviting to minor league camp. I'm sorry, major league camp among minor leaguers, and that would be Logan Allen, Peyton Battenfield, Nick Mikolodczyk, Andrew Misiazic, Luis Oviedo, and Kate Smith, uh, those last three being four being relievers, David Fry, the catcher, Mabry's Valoria, the catcher, and Micah Preece, a first baseman. Now, they have other guys they've signed from the organizations that are non-roster invitees, a number of catches, a catchers, a number of pitchers, Roman Quinn, the outfielder, those guys are all... Um, not prospects. Anyway, <clears throat> Logan Allen, not really a surprise. He is due to be on the 40-man roster 
at the end of the season. So they want to get a good look at him. Peyton Battenfield, you know, didn't have the best season in 2022. I uh, was expecting big things from him personally. I think they weren't. I think he was himself. So it wasn't a bad season by any means, but it certainly wasn't uh, the way he was tracking coming into the season. So we'll see if he can rebound. He did not go in the Rule 5 draft, so they need that arm in camp. Nick Mikulajek, another guy who didn't have a great season last year. He, you know, like I said, 2021 was on track to be on the 40-man roster. Probably would have made his debut last year, truthfully. If Nick Mikulajek pitched as well in 2022 as he did in 2021, he would be on the 40-man roster and competing for a bullpen spot this year. Unfortunately, things didn't go his way last year. Uh, some stuff backed up, so they need him to regain some of that velocity and stuff and the ability to miss bats. We'll see what happens there. Andrew Misiazek, another guy who people are enamored with from a data standpoint, from the unique angle and um, shape of his fastball and just deception overall. Strike throwing ability, we'll see what they can get out of him as another lefty. Luis Oviedo is a longtime prospect who obviously went in the Rule 5 draft a few years ago, came back and... By a weird trick, I forget how. I'd have to look it up, or I'd have to ask uh, our buddy Andrew Kinsman why there was some weird rule that Oviedo was not a minor league free agent this year. Um, might have been due to the Rule 5 draft, actually, because he didn't have that full year of service time in the minors. I can't remember, but um, he is in camp. I'll be curious to see what they do with him because um, <clears throat> the stuff was okay. It was there. He just didn't know where it was going, and um, – didn't have any control and, and doesn't look like the pitcher he once did as a prospect, but uh, we'll see what looks like it out of him. Cade Smith, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Uh, he was a non-roster invitee. He is going to play for team Canada in the world baseball class. We're going to get into those guys and we're going to get into prospects who can benefit from certain guys being gone. So this could be a long podcast, bear with me, but we haven't talked in a while. Um, so Kate Smith will was a non-roster invitee. He'll pitch for the guardians when he comes back from the world baseball classic, whenever Canada is done playing, you know, depending how long they go. Um, so Kate Smith, who took off last year, I've got him ranked in my top prospects. I think he had a very good season. He could be someone to watch. He is a 2023 eligible rule five eligible guy. So get a look at him. David Fry has a lot to gain from this training, this uh, spring training. He is going to, he should get reps at catcher during the spring training because of all the other moves going on at catcher. He's there. Mavis Valoria, who we spent a lot of time with on Lockdown Guardians talking about the other day, go listen to that, uh, is the best defender of the group. Great arm. I don't know about, you know, framing and whatnot, but he is the best defender of the group. Most likely has the best arm. And, and as I've said before, the best arm right now is extremely important with the new pickoff rules among all the catchers in camp, but he's going to be gone too. And then personal favorite, Mike Capriz got an invite to camp. I wonder if this is because of a lack of first baseman. Um, but I also think it's rewarding him for a great year last year. He didn't go on the 40 man roster. They correctly thought that he would pass through and the rule five draft. And he did. Um, I just don't think a lot of people know about him and I, and there, you know, there is some swing and miss to his game. He does chase a little bit more than you'd like. I don't know if he'll ever overcome that, but there's power, there's speed, there's athleticism to, to a certain degree. There's baseball bloodlines. There's still some upside there. Um, there's patience. So I think uh, he's still a bit of a sleeper prospect if things can come together for him. They don't have a lot of first basemen in camp. You've got, you know, Naylor, Bell, Noel. Uh, Fry can place in first base. It's, it's a pretty light position for them. So I wonder if they needed an extra body at first base, but also kind of rewarding Priest for the year he had last year because he, 
he definitely deserves it. All right, let's move on to the Guardians in the World Baseball Classic. So the Major League guys you know about are <clears throat> Andre Jimenez playing for Team Venezuela, Richie Palacios playing for the Netherlands, and Cal Quantrill playing for the for Team Canada. On the, and I'm sorry, Edniel De Los Santos is on the reserve roster for the Dominican Republic. They can choose to add him after the first round, so that's something to keep an eye on. Because uh, if you haven't seen the Dominican Republic roster, they are going to make it past the first round. They are going to be hard to beat. That is a good team. If I was a pitcher, I'd be calling in sick that day. That is not a, a lineup I'd be facing. Um, prospects the Guardians have in the World Baseball Classic. Bo Naylor uh, will join Team Canada. So uh, Bo Naylor was a long shot, I think, to make the opening day roster as the second catcher on the roster. They think they wanted to play a little bit more, and, and they're going to see what they can do as Nino. But I think this probably kind of guarantees he's going to AAA. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they like him to get the experience in the World Baseball Classic, but um, they probably would prefer he's working with their pitchers, working on some defense instead of playing in a competition. Not that it's bad. They you know, obviously weren't going to let him play, but um, I think this probably cements that he's going to AAA to start the year, which I think was the case all along. So he'll play for Team Canada. He gets to play with his cousin, Denzel Clark, of the Oakland Athletics. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> Cade Smith, as we talked about, he's playing for Team Canada. So, you know, his chances in an on-roster invitee is cut short a little bit, unfortunately, but this is obviously a great honor for these guys. And Diane Frias, who is a bit of a sleeper prospect for many, he is playing for Team Columbia, and as is Mabry's Valoria. So Mabry's Valoria was a guy I thought we'd see a lot of in camp. I find him very interesting to see what they're going to do with him, but he is not going to be in camp as long as Team Columbia is still playing in the WBC. So that hurts his chances. That gives better chances to Cam Gallagher, to Zach Collins, to David Fry uh, as the backup. So we'll see what happens there, even though I think Gloria was maybe a long shot as the backup too. But I think there's some interesting tools there. And then finally, Josh Wolf, who is who was part of the Francisco Lindor trade. He was hurt most of last season, came back as a reliever. I, I think he's a reliever long-term personally. I think there's, there's still a lot to go with him he's got to build basketball velocity back up he still needs to add weight to his frame um he's playing for ten, team israel good for him hope he pitches well um that's uh i don't know he didn't have it didn't have a whole lot of innings last year so we'll see how this affects his future considering he'll be starting earlier in the year than he did considering how much he missed last year so we'll see um on the other side we will talk about the prospects who could benefit the most from players gone in the world baseball classic in the guardian system in just one moment. All right, so I promised Guardians prospects who could benefit from other players being gone in the World Baseball Classic. Um, obviously, there's a lot of guys out. So 
who is going to get playing time in place of all these players that maybe wouldn't have before. Uh, Tyler Freeman, not a prospect anymore. He unfortunately did um, exhaust his eligibility, not by a bats, but by days on the, on the roster. There's If he spent 45 days in the active roster, you are no longer considered a rookie. So that is why he's not quote-unquote a prospect anymore in most places. Um, but he could benefit a lot because, look, um, it's mostly, most, this, most of the benefit here is going to be realized by infielders. You've got Ahmed Rosario, who didn't make, the, who is not on the Dominican Republic roster. The Guardians know what they have in Ahmed Rosario. It's his last year. We'll see what happens there. Um, but you don't have to worry about him. He's consistent. He, we know what he can do. They'll ramp him up very normally. I don't think there's going to be a lot to do there to work him in. They're not going to work a new double play partner in with him because obviously when Andres Minas comes back, second base is his, unless they've got other crazy plans we don't know about, which I'd be surprised by. But um, this gives a lot of guys in the infield chances to work at different positions. So Tyler Freeman, who really is a natural second baseman, he should see a lot of time when Jimenez is gone. And I think Team Venezuela is pretty good. I don't know what their pool is the top of the, off my top of my head, but their Team Venezuela has got some good players, so they could be playing for a little bit. Gabriel Arias should benefit quite a bit. He can play some second base, not a position he's played a ton of. Uh, he'll get some at-bats. Shockingly, he is still a prospect. I, I, I feel like we saw more of Arias last year than Freeman, but Freeman was just on the roster and didn't play, so he exhausted his eligibility. Arias did not. Brian Rocchio should see a lot of time at second base, probably some shortstop as well as they move guys around in camp. Um, so Rocchio should see time at second base. That'll be good for him. Juan Brito, we should get a good look at Juan Brito in spring training because obviously he's new to the organization, natural second baseman on the 40. He'll be in big league camp. That's a guy you should uh, get a good look at uh, at second base while Jimenez is gone. Uh, Angel Martinez, for sure. Excited to see him in, in his first big league spring training. I mean, really excited about that. Um, should get a lot of time. Jose Tena, obviously on the 40-man roster. He'll be big league spring training for the, I think, third straight year. I think he was a non-roster invitee in 2021, but I could be wrong. Anyway, he, uh, or at least he made some appearances, but he'll obviously get playing time as well. So a lot of infielders will probably benefit greatly while Andres Jimenez is gone. That's a big deal. Uh, catcher is probably the next spot that benefits the most with Bo Naylor being gone and Mabry's Valoria going being gone. So the Guardians had, had seven invitations to big league camp among catchers, they had Zanino, they had Naylor, they had Lavastida, they had Zach Collins, they had David Fry, they had Cam Gallagher, and I think I mentioned Ryan Lavastida. That's seven guys. Anyway, Valoria. So Valoria is gone. I don't know how long Columbia will go. I don't think they're as strong as the rest. Team Canada is pretty good. They could play for a while. Uh, so David Fry and Brian Lavastida should both get plenty of reps in spring training while those guys are gone. You need a lot of catchers. I'd imagine you'll still see Gallagher and Collins as well. Um, you know, and Zanino's also recovering from an injury. I think he's healthy for the most part, but um, we shall see. But I, I, you know, I think that's that you're going to see a lot of David Fry catching. I'm really, I'm really curious to see if Cleveland lets him catch and how much they really are confident in his catching ability because he could be a very interesting piece for this roster if if they believe he can catch or get him to the point where he can be a third catcher and. Uh, play a little first, third and DH, which he did last year. Very interesting 26 guy with uh, the ability to hit left-handers too. So we'll see how much he can catch. I think we'll learn a lot about his defensive abilities um, this spring as they sent him to the AFL last year. 
Brian Lavastida as well, bad year in 2022. And I'm going to stress this again. Um, coming into last year, I still had Bo Naylor over Brian Lavastida as my top catching prospect in the system. And I think it showed why. But Bo Naylor is still a great athlete, a great hardworking guy, lots and lots of talent. And he proved he is once again a top prospect. Um, I know a lot of people were quick to put Brian Lavastida over Naylor and drop Naylor pretty far, but I gave Naylor a mulligan and how much organization believed in him. And that's not to write off Brian Lavastida, who had a bad year last year because um, because of the injury to Luke Maley. Brian Lavastida was forced to be the backup catcher to start the season when he wasn't ready because they didn't have 40-man spots. Shockingly, the 40-man roster spots uh, were coming back to haunt Cleveland again. They didn't have room to add Sandy Leone to catch for a month. But So Brian Lavastida was rushed to the majors before he was ready. He barely played. That is not a good situation. He was sent back to AAA, was kind of struggling, and then uh, got hurt. He pulled a hamstring, was out for quite a while. And then coming back, he tried to play catch-up all year with the you know batting and everything. He had, had his moments, but he didn't hit that well. So just kind of a lost year for Brian Lavastida. I've given giving him a mulligan. I still think he's a good backup catcher with a good bat-first approach and some soft skills defensively. It'll be fine. But um, – I'm, I'm giving him a mulligan. I think he could still be a good prospect. I'm not, don't write him off after bad 2022, the same way we didn't write off Naylor. I didn't write off Naylor in 2021. And then outfield, um, less of an impact here, truthfully, because, you know, Richie Palacios isn't really a priority player. You've got Straw and Quan, and then you've got right field between Gonzalez and Brennan. Um, George Valera should see plenty of playing time this spring. I guess we'll say John Kenzie Noel again, John Kenzie Noel to me is a first baseman, but maybe he plays an outfield this spring, you know, because he's there and because they'll have maybe some playing time to divvy up without needing to give it bats to Richie Palacios. As long as the Netherlands is out, I don't know how good the Netherlands roster is, but they're at least interesting. I will say it's an interesting roster, but uh, as long as he's out, there will be at least some extra bats to divvy up, especially during split squad games. So maybe Noel continues to get reps out there. I guess it doesn't hurt, but ultimately his home to me is first base. Mike Caprice, uh, he played first base last year due to a lack of really first base options. I still think he can play outfield, so there's a shot for him to get some outfield reps. Uh, those are the guys to me that will benefit a little bit from Palacios not needing at bats early on as he plays in WBC. And then pitching. Obviously, we talked about Cade Smith and Josh Wolf and Cal Quantrill not being there. Um, Josh Wolf wasn't getting innings this spring. Cade Smith was because he's an NRI. Cal Quantrill, we know all about. So who benefits from that? Logan Allen being on the, uh, an NRI makes sense from the standpoint of not having Quantrill, and he has to get ready to be proving himself worthy of a 40-man spot this coming fall after a uh, shaky AAA debut last year. Even though he was dominant AA, I still have a lot of faith in Logan Allen. But he should get some valuable innings for them. Um, Joey Cantillo and Hunter Gaddis, more guys I think could, could really benefit from uh, – from having pitchers out there's you know you need a lot of innings in spring training as you build guys up so the fact these guys are on the 40 is good cantillo should benefit if he's healthy they need to see him they need to see a lot of him build him up the right way so he should get some innings peyton battenfield i think is, is going to be a beneficiary uh he was probably going to get innings anyway but they really need to see more from him and they will have the innings for him tim hare i think Durant benefits a lot he's already on the 40 but um more chances to see him with kate smith not taking up innings Nick Mikulajek, Andrew Misiasek, and then Luis Oviedo, I guess. Um, we'll get, we're going to get innings anyway, but, you know, like I said, without Smith, 
Kate Smith there and uh, however long Quantrill is gone as well. You know, there's, there's innings to fill. They'll want to get a look at those guys, um, especially Tim Heron. And then Jason Billis, who the Guardians just claimed on Thursday, February 9th, he'll probably get some innings too. He is the guy that filled the 40-man roster um, spot vacated by Will Benson. I thought they're going to keep that open, but um, they they did not. And I, I don't think Billis is going to be taking up that spot long. I think they're not they're not beholden to him. Like they don't have to they don't have to keep that spot for him all season long. I think he's a good bet to be a DFA camp to add a backup catcher. Just a nice spot to have and give you some innings there in camp. He has not been good the last several few years. Um, he has not had an ERA below five in the last two seasons. Uh, he had a good 2019. He threw 104 innings as a 21-year-old in low A, 370 ERA. Um, 2021, three three good innings in low and high A, and then a disaster in double A. Disaster in double A last year and triple A for the White Sox. But uh, White, Cleveland, Cleveland got more out of Connor Pilkington than the White Sox ever did, so maybe this is another thing like that. Um, for what it's worth, Fangraphs has Jason Billis's fastball grades of 55, a slider 55, uh, command is pretty poor. So projects kind of as an up-down depth kind of pitcher. Uh, I have not taken a look at him, and truthfully, I don't think he'll be on my rankings anyway, just based on what I've already seen and heard. But I did see one <clears throat> White Sox fan slash writer, I think uh, I have to go back and look at my Twitter from, from retweeting him, but I... I did retweet the account just because I know he, uh, James Fox from the, from uh, Future Sox, I think, is the guy who tweeted. Yeah, it's, uh, let me real quick, just dig back. It was quite a while. Uh, Basically, he said, though, he thought there was other guys that the White Sox could have DFA'd to clear a roster spot, and it was a bad decision by the White Sox. He liked the guy quite a bit. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it's James Fox of uh, Future Sox, but unfortunately, but anyway, um, I don't have a whole lot on him. Yeah, it was, it was James Fox of, that's right. Future Sox, uh, always a fan of Jason Billis miscalculation for the white Sox organization, plenty of dead weight on the 40 thought they should hung on to him. They did not. So we'll see if the guardians get out of him, but I don't expect him to, um, be locked into that 40 man spot. I think it's a guy that can get innings from, maybe he's interesting. Maybe they pass him through waivers, um, sometime in spring after he gives them some innings. So, I'll I'll take a look and see what I can find in him, and I'll I'll put him in the writing somewhere. But uh, not as exciting as the Justin Boyd deal, obviously. From that aspect, I just again I just love that the Guardians have decided to make moves uh, regarding prospects in their roster week before spring training. After I've already had my prospect rankings on, everybody else has as well. Love that. Uh, was waiting all off season to to do my rankings and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I always keep my rankings kind of done. Like I. I my process is I start with my position. So I rank my catchers in order. I rank my first baseman or corner infielders in order. I rank my middle infielders in order. I rank shortstops first. If I, if I think the guy can play short, I rank shortstops. Anybody else I kind of put, I guess it's second or middle infield, third base, outfield, all that stuff. I, I rank though positions in order first. And then I, you know, that way I'm never ranking a guy I'm not higher on. Um, at his own position on my rankings, but I, I keep that updated all off season long, but 
you know, I had my rankings ready to go because everybody else was, was going to get theirs out. I didn't want to fall behind. I didn't want to look at too many rankings and then have that influence me. So I wanted to get those out. Scouting reports will be out soon on our, our prospect rankings, which you can see over at nextyearincleveland.substack.com. Like I said, Justin Boyle will be added to that. I have a good primer up there as well. The intro kind of talks about the um, the ranking system and why we and why we rank players with certain um, numbers, like 60 overall value and 55 and 50 explains all that. And I did some math on All-Star War last year. So just for example, I'll tell you right now, uh, the average pitching, or this is a Fangraphs version of War, the average F War for a starting pitcher who is an All-Star in 2022 was 4.1. The low was 2.7, the median was 3.8, the high was 6.1. So um, a replacement level player should be able to give you one to two wins. So that fills in the uh, 50 grade spot overall value. Um, like I said, the, the high was 6.1. So anybody about six and a half and over is an 80 grade player. If, I, if we think they can put up a six war, you're an 80 grade player as a pitcher. Um, Four to five war is a 60 overall. That's that's what the high was last year for um, in the all-star. Uh, four to five war was, uh, I'm sorry, four, 3.8 was the median. So if you can hit 3.8 to four, you're pretty much an all-star um, or close to it. 2.7 tends to be guys that are, you know, selected because they, the, the team needed a rep. And then guys who are worth one or two wins are sometimes um, – platoon guys or backup guys and anything below that is, is a 40 for hitters last year. The average um, F war for an all-star hitter was 4.6. The high was 11.4. That's an outlier in Aaron judge, but essentially I have seven. Any, if I think a, a hitter can produce seven or more war, he'd be an 80. But um, as always, you fill in the two to three war spot is a 50 grade three to four is 55. And then, you know, you just go from there relievers last year. Edwin Diaz was a freak had a three war, as a reliever. So it doesn't get much better than that. So the highest you really can rate a reliever is about a 60 because um, you're not going to get more than three wins out of a reliever. It's unlikely. And then it kind of goes down from there. So I have uh, explainers there on the page from the math on that. Um, although it's my math. So never know how much you can trust my math. If you listen to me before on any podcast, you know that math is uh, not my best subject. Anyway, uh, writing and talking has been one of my better subjects, at least I think so. Maybe you don't. So at the end of this, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, if you are listening on a podcast platform that allows you to leave a review, um, would love five stars. But if you don't think it's worth five stars, if you give it anything less, at least leave some constructive criticism. Let me know how I can improve this podcast, how we can improve this podcast, whoever's on with me, um, you know, four, three stars, whatever. Just, you know, if it's not five, tell me how I can get to five. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, which, uh, God bless, cause you have to look at my ugly face this entire time. Um, feel free to comment below anything. Um, what you think about, uh, Justin Boyd, the, the Will Benson deal, um, prospects I talked about who would benefit from other players being gone in the world baseball classic. If I missed anybody, uh, any thoughts you might have on the coaching situation in the minors or the non-roster invitees or any questions for me in general, uh, you know, please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. I'm trying to grow that a little bit more. I'll have a lot more on there this season coming up as I have less editing duties. I can 
do more video and, and some other things like this podcast. So um, that helps as well. Share with a friend and uh, keep listening. We'll be back hopefully next time with uh, an interview with somebody. That's um, I have some interviews lined up with some different people. Um, in the meantime, you can check out my writing work again at nextyearincleveland.substack.com. I'll put the link in the description of the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter if you're not. Again, we're about an hour in. And if you don't follow me on Twitter, that's weird. JL underscore baseball. Follow the Substack um, or the newsletter on Twitter and next year in CLE. And then uh, if you like hearing my voice or watching me do podcasts, which again, God bless, because that's wild to me that people don't get sick of me more. I'm sure some of you are. Um, you can check me out on almost every day on Locked On Guardians with Jeff Ellis. Um, that's Locked Guardians on Twitter and on YouTube, Locked On Guardians. We'll be back to five days a week over there next week uh, with a lot of things to ramp up as the season gets here, at least spring training, we'll have a lot more. So, again, I hope we'll be back next week with an interview and many updates going on um, with the Guardians in terms of prospects. So, in the meantime, I appreciate you guys listening and all that other good stuff we talked about. And I will catch you next time. Everybody stay well.